Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back once again uh, for our second episode here with Miles Okazaki, and I'm uh, joined by Joe Gore. Yeah, hi, Jason. Um, really stoked to talk to Miles today because um, Miles has a very special relationship with the uh, compositions of the great jazz um, pianist composer Thelonious Monk, and he uh, issued a Monk uh, collection a couple of years ago that's really made quite a splash. And uh, it's not my favorite Monk tunes or Monk's favorite hits. He um, did the research and plays literally every tune that we can attribute to Thelonious Monk. It's a very ambitious project. Yeah, it's basically a box set. I mean, it's it's six discs. Uh, it's called Work, and it's available on his Bandcamp page, uh, which we'll link below. And it's, and it's, it's all deep. solo, it's all solo guitar. It's not a band record. Right. It's all, all solo guitar. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about kind of what was uh, his inspiration for tackling such a huge project. Um, what were some kind of the difficulties and what kind of guitar specific things that he extracted from this experience and even, even demonstrate some things and even how, you know, how guitar players like to even get nerdy about how to, you know, specifically play and finger certain passages on the guitar. Yeah, it's uh, it's smart stuff from a really smart guy. <laughs> yeah. So make sure to go check out Work uh, by Miles Okazaki, and uh, let's just jump right in and let's uh, let's hear Miles talk about Monk. All right, everybody, we're back once again with Miles Okazaki, and today's topic, we are going to talk about uh, one of his more recent projects, which was a very in-depth study of the music of Thelonious Monk, and and I got to ask, Miles, what was the what were kind of the germs of the seeds that inspired you to tackle Monk's entire, you know, catalog? Yeah, I don't know. You want the long version? Or the, I'll give the medium-short version, which is... Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, I've been studying Monk's music since I was, that was like the first, you know, music that I really, that dealt with improvisation and stuff that I really got into. You know, I started listening to his music when I was like 13 or something like that, 12. Um, and I, I remember when I was, you know, maybe 18 or so, I was like, ooh, I'd love to figure out like how many compositions there are and record or like learn all of them. I wasn't thinking about recording that. I was like, I want to learn all of them, all of them. And, and, uh, you know, I made a list and I had my little book there and it had maybe like like 40 tunes in it or something like that. And I kind of knew, 
I come back every five years or so and go through a super obsessive monk phase, you know, and I'd be like, okay, I'll learn a few more tunes. Oh, you know, here's another, here's some transcriptions by Bill Dobbins or here's this book by Steve Cardenas and Don Sickler, you know, and, and, and monk scholarship got better. And then there were a couple of things that got me really going, which was one was Robin Kelly's biography, which is a great um, resource I would recommend, you know. Robin D.G. Kelly, look it up. Um, that's probably the best uh, work of biography that I've seen. I think I'm pretty confident it's the best biography of a, of a jazz musician that's out there, you know, because it's done with the, with the scholarly rigor of, you know, real, like, hardcore academic. He's a historian of civil rights and, and black history and stuff like that. So... So Monk was put into that context. I was like, that sort of really gave me a better picture of, of, of Monk in, in history, you know. And then there was 2017, which was his 100th year, um, you know, centennial. So there were all these Monk things going on, concerts and 100 years, you know, and d different types of celebrations and concerts. And, uh, and, so, and I played in one. I played in one that was like Monk on guitar. And I and it was me with a bunch of guitar players. It was like uh, David Gilmore and Reza Bazi and uh, uh, Steve Cardenas and, and a whole bunch of people. Um, and at that time, I was talking a lot with Steve Cardenas, and we were talking about Monk. Steve Cardenas, I don't know if you know him, but he um, he wrote that book with Don Sickler that sort of collected all of the monk tunes. It was kind of my list that I had been wanting to make, you know, but they actually went through and figured out how many there are, basically, you know. There's a couple that are sort of like iffy, whether they're actually tunes or not, you know, kind of like improvised blues structures and stuff. But basically 70, you know. And, uh, and I was talking to Steve about monk and guitar, and he's a real expert, you know. And comparing fingerings, you know, I'll be like, well, how do you do? He'd be like, well, I finger it up here because you could just. I'd be like, oh, and I remember he showed me that one. I was like, oh, shit, that's so easy. Like, why didn't I, you know, like these, these, it's really fun to compare. This is a really nerdy thing, but it's really fun to get together with guitar players and compare fingerings for these melodies because they're, you know, they're not originally done on guitar. So. Uh, especially, you know, things like, you know. You know, like super, like, hairy stuff, you know, and, and that, that, like, has a lot of different options, you know. Um, that's a tune called Skippy. Uh, and, uh, and so we were comparing some fingerings, and he was shedding a lot of light on, on that stuff for me, and then it just got me going on another phase. And I just started... Um, I had recently uh, sort of decided to take a new direction musically and, and I was trying to figure out what to do. And I was like, well, while I'm doing this, let me let me do this Monk project. And I just started recording him. I was like, oh, I'll make, a, I'll make an album. You know, maybe I'll make a Monk album just for myself to kind of, I don't know, get to an... Recording is a different way of, of being held accountable than just sort of practicing. Do you know what I mean? So like... Like if I say I'm going to record, not even to put it in public, but just to put it onto tape so that I listen to it and say like, ah, these aren't really the right, this is not, I'm not playing the right harmony there or the melody is not right. Like it exists on this, you know, fixed medium. So, so, so 
that was in my way of forcing myself to sort of um, be more conscious of the details and really get them right, you know. And as it went on, I just kept recording more and more, and then it, I got to like 30 of them, and I was like, well, let me just do all of them, you know. And then I got to like 50 of them, and I was like, I really don't want to do this anymore. And then, and then, but I was like, well, I got to finish it now, so. <laughs> it was like, the, you know, like I know you're also a pretty avid runner. It's like you hear about marathon runners, you know. It's like you're at mile, you know, 18 or 20, and you're like, I can't, I can't give up now. Uh, yeah, the funny thing about that was at the exact same, same time I was doing that record, I was training for the New York City Marathon, which is my first marathon. And I, it was like the two, the two things were totally parallel processes. It was like there's this, there's this thing about training for a long race, which is like, there's so many days where you're like, I really don't want to go out. It's July, it's 90 degrees, and I have to run 15 miles today, and I just I just don't want to do it, but I got to do it. You, gotta just, you don't have any choice, because if you don't do it, if you allow yourself that excuse, then then that allows a whole, whole bunch of other excuses, right? So you allow, so you can't, you can't, you just can't do it if you want to, I mean, if you're, if you want to, if you want to stay on track, you know, if that's important to you. And for me it is, you know, so, um, now I had other problems with the marathon that, and problems with the monk thing. They were actually kind of related in terms of like not pacing myself properly, but, um, uh, that, you know, those two things were quite similar. They're kind of large, seemingly maybe unreachable, unattainable tasks that are very possible if you just do it continuously one bite at a time. Uh, so when you decided to sit down and record these, it's, I mean, was the format of solo guitar just out of convenience and well, or yeah. The solo guitar thing you also wanted to improve on. Yeah, it was funny because uh, um, I don't know if you know Frank Kimbrough, pianist. So as I had just finished up recording, uh, I, I was trying to figure out the copyright stuff because I was like, okay, it wasn't until after I finished recording, I was like, well, maybe I'll just release this as a record, you know, or as a six records actually is what it turned out to be. But um uh, I was like, well, this is going to be a copyright, complex copyright thing. So I called up uh, Steve Cardenas. I was like, hey, uh, do you know how I do this? Because I called up Sickler and I got the, I got sent to another place. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I just talked to Frank Kimbrough because he just recorded all of Monk's compositions. So Kimbrough did it. He did it at the same time. And I'm sure it was, you know, Monk was in the air at that time, you know, being the centennial and all that stuff. Uh, and he did it with a with a quartet, you know, with saxophone and, and bass and drums, and uh, and and they did it in like I forget what it was, something like two weeks in the studio or something like that, um, which is not was not financially possible for me at all. I mean, I had thought of that, but I was like, it, I immediately put it out of my mind because it was like, well, there's, first of all, I don't know the tunes well enough to sit there and just go through all of them, you know? So, uh, my process was like meditation, you know, I need to sit with one tune for like two or three days, practice it and get it to a point where it's starting to do something different than me just playing it. It needs to get to the point where it's internalized. I'm not, first of all, I'm not reading it or anything like that. I'm memorizing it, you know? And then 
it's getting internalized to the point where all the little parts of the tune and all the special things of the tune are coming out in the improvisation in some sort of way that's different than me just blowing on some changes, you know. Um, now Kibro and, and Rufus Reed, and so th these, these are super veteran players, and they could just go into the studio and nail it. And you need, you know, he had a producer that was like, you know, they had some funding to do this big project. And, and so it's a great, it's a great project. It's, it's totally different from the way that I was doing it. Um, and they came out at about the same time. So that was funny. But, um, but yeah, it was no option, no question in my mind that that would have to be solo guitar because uh, financial and artistic reasons. I wanted to be quite experimental with not with the material, but with the approach in terms of like, I don't want them all to, I don't want to be just time and changes and, and, and like solos that I want to be able to drop the needle anywhere in the project. And you can kind of tell what tune it is from the way that I'm playing. I really want to take a different approach to each tune. And that takes a lot of time, you know, to get into that zone. How do you pursue that? You know, say you say you've learned the head and you've listened to the record a lot. Um, how do, you, how do you make well, it so that it's more than just blowing over changes? I mean, I could take any tune. You'd have to pick a tune, maybe, but... Um, well, you need... Let's... Well, you need... Okay, so... <laughs> okay, so that one... There's a rehearsal tape of Monk rehearsing the session where he plays Well, You Need... And it's with a larger group, and he's trying to play this intro, and it goes like... keeps coming in like and he's like no 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 that's not it you know uh you don't hear it. and he's like he says there's something funny on there he says like well you can't hear it you can't hear it this is like easier what it is he's kind of he's kind of like you know um giving him a hard time but but you know the the time is actually here so he's playing these kind of figures not not this tempo that's not where the tempo is but when he's playing solo piano it's like an illusion right so so he's playing solo piano up front and it's like like your natural thing is going to be I hear the beat there but the beat is here So that, I was like, well, let me take that intro as my, uh, as, as a thing to work off of, you know, for this tune. And those types of figures that are moving across in that, the beat in that kind of way, you know. So it's like. that's going up whereas the, the main part of the tune if you look at like a I don't know some chart of it it's just going to have these two chords it's like it's just kind of going back rocking back and forth between two chords but there's this other part that Monk sometimes plays in there 
There's this, there's this line that kind of goes up and goes back down, right? So um, that was actually the last song I recorded for the, for, the, for the thing. And at that point, I had such excruciating pains in my back and my neck from, from the process that I was like, I could barely make it through a take. I'd have to do a take, and I'd have to take like half an hour break and then try it again. Um, just from, your, from, was that from your marathon training or just your no, posture? No, it was from this stupid way that I was doing it, which is like I was just sitting here with the guitar and then leaning over to do, to hit record on the computer and then coming back. And like I, just the way I was doing it wasn't thought through properly. You know, I didn't ever have a plan. <laughs> so I was just kind of, I didn't even have my computer and monitor set up properly, you know, or anything. No, but you know? That was a so, great answer, though. That was, it was, that was a very uh, nice picture into your process. Yeah, but you'll find that every tune has something like that you know something that it doesn't have to be complicated but it can just be something that's special about that tune that you can focus on and then make that the focus of what you're doing because you don't need to say everything you know you can just say well then say i have one to, thing i have to ask about my favorite monk tune ask me now oh ask me now was just that one i played i think pretty straight you know it's just a Oh no, I did something with counterpoint on that. I think I did. Something like that, you know. I think maybe holding it. Well, I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah. You know, so the idea being like uh, kind of a call and response, you know, um, very simple counterpoint. But I was thinking of a little bit of the Bach two-part inventions, you know, and how, because to me, the melody has natural breaks in it. There's this long break here. So it seemed natural for me to put something in there. You know, and put stuff in those in those spaces throughout, you know. And then, uh, I don't know, I improvised something after that. In sort of the same vibe, but I'm not able to improvise and something with that kind of precision. So it's more like the vibe of that thing. You know, it's like two voices going together, you know. So to, to wrap up, uh, before people uh, who hear this rush out and buy your six-disc uh, deep dive into Monk, is there an album or two of Monk's that for people who aren't familiar with his music that you'd want to point them to? Um, yeah, I mean, there's so, there, you know, there's things that are special to me because they're the ones I listened to a lot when I was first getting into it, you know? So I think people's relationships are like that with, bands or with you know it's stuff that you listen to at a certain time that was very formative that's like your favorite and it's that's not somebody else's favorite you know i mean for me it's the monk at the five spot records mysterioso and uh uh and at the five spot with johnny griffin you know and uh then there's the the with there's a carnegie hall concert with john coltrane that that came out 
more recently. Fairly recently. I mean, yeah. it was now is mine 10 or 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah. But to me, it still feels kind of new because that was a big deal when that came out. Because before that, the only recordings were like Thelonious Monk with John Coltrane in a studio recording, which is like, like I think it's near the beginning of when Coltrane started playing his music. And then there was a five spot um, kind of really rough recording, I think made by Naima Coltrane, that was, that was, um, that was really like poor recording quality, but you could hear it was super burning, like the playing on it. And you're like, oh, I wish there was more of this. And then that Carnegie Hall concert came out, which is like great recording and long and incredible playing. So, I mean, um, that one, I mean, you got to, you got to listen to that one. And then, um, I mean, there's, there's so many. I love the solo records, Solo Monk. There's one where he's like in the airplane with a little uh, flight hat on. <laughs> yeah. That that one's great. He had some of the best album covers too. Yeah, Underground is probably the one of the greatest album covers of any type of music, you know. Yeah. Um so, you know, that that uh yeah, there's there's so many, but I I really like listening to records still the whole record as a thing, you know. I think they were, you know, they were made like that and that, you know, because now people listen to a track here and there, but I mean, go ahead, you know, and sit there. If it's a live record, especially, you know, you want to hear that, how the concert goes, you know, you want to hear the whole thing, you know. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the thing. And then this record is on Bandcamp. If anybody wants to find it, it's on Bandcamp mm-hmm. under my name, Miles Okazaki. We'll make sure to put a link in the description yeah. down below, and people can check it out. So. Well, thanks again, Miles. We're gonna have Miles back one more time this week yeah, to talk you. about uh, his uh, talk about a drum related topic, which I've been dying to ask him about since I got his book. So, come back on Friday, and we'll check that episode out, and uh, we'll be back then. Mm-hmm.